morning, I would like to title my sermon as Let the River Flow. Can you say that with me? Let the River Flow. So let's turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 1, the Sunday being the Pentecost Sunday. So I don't want to miss this opportunity to preach about what God wants to do in the midst of us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Bible says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Can we read that together again? We have that in the screen, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive, every one of us. Okay, so, right. so now, now I need to get on to the sermon, so I need to be sensitive to the time, sensitive to the spirit, and uh, you know, of course, I need to consider you, because you're in front of me, right? So let's, so let's get into the sermon this morning. So now, when you listen to this word of God, the word of God talks about, in fact, Jesus was telling his disciples that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You know, often I come across three groups of people in this world, three groups of people mainly especially in the Christian world those who already received the power of God those who are already received the anointing of the Holy Spirit they speak in tongues they glorify God so as it is written in Acts chapter 1 8 and what happened in Acts chapter 2 and 1st Corinthians 15 and all the 14 and all the other chapters uh, so we come across such group of people those who already received the power of God I come across second group of people, those who believe the power of God, but they don't really believe the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Right? So even some of the, some of the churches, church groups, you know, they, they believe the power of God. They believe that there is Holy Spirit, there is power of God, there is anointing of the Holy Spirit. But they believe few are, you know, some of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but not everything. Now we also come across the third group of people, they are Christians, they don't believe the power of God. They believe that it was a one-time experience. The Holy Spirit and the power of God was given to people just only once. After Jesus was gone and the disciples were gone, it all stopped. So there are three groups of people, and we are not trying to prove or, you know, uh, or, or support these groups this morning. That's not the objective. I'm just throwing this information. We come across such three different kinds of people. Now, let, let's continue further. Let's uh, try to see what Jesus spoke about this. What was Jesus' idea about this? Let's, let's turn to John chapter 7, verses 38 to 39. Jesus Telling to the crowd, in fact, there's a, there's a festival time, so we had everybody, all group of people, and this is what Jesus preached. He said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus spoke about something different and he mentioned, Jesus mentioned that, he mentioned about the flow of rivers of living water. Can you say that with me? Flow of rivers of living water. So Jesus mentioned and the same scripture says that he referred to the Holy Spirit which was not yet given. 
right? And we know that. We know the history. We are not going there. Acts chapter 2, we know that the Spirit of God was poured afresh on, on, upon everyone, those who assembled. Now, when you talk about water, when you talk about living water, you know, I'm just visualizing three different water bodies. Three different water bodies, simple ones, simple message. Number one, I was just, I'm just thinking about a river that is totally dried. A riverbed, a dried riverbed. Have you ever seen such riverbed? When we open the dam, you know, you, you, you see water there, but then when they close the dam, there is no water in the riverbed, and we see there are cracks forming, and you know, the plants, they already died, and it is so dry, very dry. Even if a single rain is not going to do anything to this kind of ground. Dried riverbed. So when water is dried up, the riverbed becomes so dry. So dry, very dry. If you touch that, you'll see powder, you know. Powder will come out of the mud over there. So the dryness, it, it shows, it really showed me, tell, tells me that once there was water in the river. But now there is no water in the river. Now this dry land, can you sow the seed in this dry land? No. Nothing is going to happen. Nothing will come out. In fact, it will just eat up all the seeds. Nothing is going to come out. So it cannot, it has no ability to produce anything. It is very dry and it is very, 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 you know, very disappointing to see such a land. And it is very discouraging and it is very destructive also. Yes? It is very destructive to see such a dry land. Right? So, so when we see such a dry land, we feel, we realize there is nothing is happening. Nothing is happening in this land. There is no more plant is growing. It is very disappointing and also it is very destructive. You know, we come across people in our lives. They feel they are so, they are so dry. They are disappointed. And they are also very destructive when you talk to them, when you deal with them. Because they feel that, you know, they are totally dried. There is nothing good is happening in their lives. And they don't want to do anything. And they don't want to be good to others. They are not kind anymore. They are very destructive in nature. You know, such land really cannot produce anything. There is no purpose of this land at this point of time. You know, when our lives become dry, we feel no purpose in our lives. We live. Does it make sense to you this morning? Yes? Can you look at me, please? You don't need to read your Bible when I preach. Everyone? Yes, Joyce? Can you look at me, everybody? Right? So, so when... Such thing happens in our lives. We don't see anything happening there. And we feel dryness everywhere. And we don't feel like doing anything. And we lose the purpose for which God has kept us alive on the face of this earth. And I believe this morning that makes sense to you, some of you here. When I talk about dryness. We don't feel like praying. That prayer life is lost. But look at this river, this was, there was a river flowing, water flowing, but no more, no more. Once upon, once upon a time, you know, we were good in the Lord, we were praying, but now it's just only clapping. It's just only screaming. It's just only speaking in tongues. Everything will happen automatically. But nothing is happening inside because it is totally dried. Am I talking to you this morning? Yes? yes? It's totally dried. The zeal that you had for God is gone. 
The prayer life that you wanted to have is no more. You feel that you are a misfit. You are a misfit. And dry lands really cannot leave anything behind. This morning, I'm just looking at the riverbed that is already dried. There is a spiritual dryness in our lives. You appear to be listening, hearing me, but you're not hearing. Nothing really goes into you. I mean, I have been there in that situation. All of us at some point of time, but we, so we know what we're talking about. And this dryness can be removed by Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you with me this morning? This dryness can be removed only by the Spirit of God. And when we open up our lives, very clearly, nakedly, we come into the presence of God and tell, Lord, this is my situation. And that dryness can be removed. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 3, God said, For I will pour water on him who is... Can you say thirsty? thirsty? I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Blessed descendants and offsprings are the promise of God. And God is saying, I will pour fresh water. I will pour fresh anointing, not only over your life, upon your descendants. So first, number one, first land we talked about, or the, or the water body that we talked about is a dried riverbed. Number two, I was thinking about another kind of you know, water body that is stagnant water. Have you come across stagnant water? That water doesn't flow. It just, you know, just stays there. It just stays there. And you don't, sometimes you don't want, you can't even go near to such water, right? What will happen? It smells very bad. It stinks. Right? Such water bodies are not really good. But what to do? There are water bodies like this, stagnant water. So the water doesn't flow. There may be floods coming. There may be rain after rain. But you see, just, just that, that water is always in that level. It doesn't rise. We don't know what's going on there. We don't know what's happening there. Stagnant water, you know, it is also dangerous because it is breeding. It is a breeding ground for many bacteria, mold and parasites. And even, in the, you know, we know they are all very harmful for our health. And such stagnant water, it is also, it is a breeding place for mosquitoes. It's very shallow, pool of water, and, you know, there the diseases start. I'm talking about the second type of the water body, that is a stagnant water. Stagnant water doesn't flow, as we know, it collects water, but it doesn't flow. Can you say that with me? It collects water but that water doesn't flow very dangerous in our spiritual lives we come to the presence of God and we receive more from God more words more anointing more holiness we grow in the Lord we do good with the Lord but we don't flow nothing flows out of our lives are you with me this morning Yes, nothing comes out of our lives. It's just like a stagnant water. I just want you to stare at the screen, look at the screen, and see whether you see any symptom of this, what you see in the screen, you see in your life. 
You know, this morning I'm just you know, asking this very with a sincere heart that we need to come to an understanding with God to know what God wants to do in our lives. You know, it doesn't really happen automatically. I just want you to look at the screen and just see whether any of those symptoms that you see that are seen in our lives. You know, many times we listen to the sermons, we enjoy the presence of God. We have a good fellowship and we are very happy, satisfied. We go out of this place. But we seldom share, we never share this goodness with others. You know, this morning Victor was preaching and he was challenging us. Have you ever, any time, went and shared about Jesus to someone? And I was just listening. It is very challenging. We don't do what we do inside of these four walls. We don't do outside. I'm not talking about you, I'm just talking about me. All of us. We keep receiving. We keep receiving. A stagnant water is the some water body that keeps receiving. You know, life is so good. God is blessing me. God is speaking to me. I'm good. My family is good. Everything around me is good. Praise God. Stagnant water. It's going to smell a little later. We become stagnant in our lives. We don't share this joy with others. You know, this morning when we talk about Pentecost, there is something different that took place. It's not the Pentecost that is known to us. Pentecost is not just, forgive me, not just, you know, getting together, clapping our hands and shouting and screaming, speaking in tongues and getting anointing and uh, filled with the Holy Ghost and go home and not do anything. That's not the Pentecost. It's a deception. It's a deception. Stagnant water that doesn't flow to others from your life. You know, it's exactly like we put one face inside the church and when we go outside the church, we are different. Is that the Pentecostalism that we talk about? There are missionaries, you know, they gave their life, they dedicated their child, 350 missionaries on different parts of the globe, you know, preaching the gospel. You know, most of the missionaries, some of them we know, they come back with severe sickness, deadly sickness. You know, their lifetime is reduced for the sake of the gospel. That is the Pentecostalism that we are not talking about. We are not talking about the Pentecostalism that fights for power and authority. We are not talking about that Pentecostalism. It is a deception of the enemy. You know, as we are living in the last days, we need to get away from such people and look for God what God wants to do in our lives stagnant water also refers to laziness complacency lethargy smug and whatever way you want to name it it's self-satisfied lifestyle you know at times we become self-satisfied we think that we have everything we don't want to just look outside what is going on you know, why god brought me to this nation you know i could have been there in india if you are in our own nation if god wanted to do what we used to do but there is a purpose why god brought you to this nation you know this morning i want you to listen to me because god has a purpose god has a purpose for bringing you to this nation there is a clear purpose. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 verse 48. To whom? You know, I'm worried about the scripture. I'm really afraid of reading the scripture. For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. Every sermon that we listen, every time we get, we get filled with the Holy Ghost, we are accountable. We are more accountable. We are more accountable. 
Our water must flow to our neighbors, our community, and our city. And this morning, God, I pray that God may show us a way how to do that. Paul says, preaching the gospel is my duty. Can we read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16? I'm reading from New Century Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. Telling the good news does not give me any reason to boast. Telling the good reason does not give me any reason to boast. And I like the reason, in a way, I like those preachers in the conference. They say, if God is not healing you, I don't know why. It is God. It is God. If God is healing you, I don't know about it. Again, it is God. I don't have any role there. I mean, I have, my role is only to introduce you to Christ and to his power. I don't have anything else. I'm just like you. I'm just like an ordinary person like you. Paul says, there is nothing that I can brag. You know, today, just to identify those individuals, they go around and brag about themselves, saying that they are doing God, they're doing great things for God, and they are being used by God. We need to be careful about such people. There is nothing that I can boast. I can brag about telling the good news is my duty. Something I must do. Can you read that with me? Telling the good news is my duty. Duty means what? You know, some of most of us are nurses. You know what duty means. When your shift starts at what time? 7 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and again 7 o'clock in the night. So if your shift starts at 7 o'clock, can you go at 7.15 and sign in? Yes or no? All the non-nurses are saying no. Can you sign in at 7.15? You need to still may get a permission, right? Right? You can't do it. So what is it, what it is? It is my duty. Right? It is my duty. We used to ask Ethan and Delayda, you know, when, when they come home, where is mommy? She, he, they say that mommy has gone to duty. Right? So it's our duty. We don't miss that. So Paul is saying that sharing the gospel, telling the good news is my duty, is something I must do. And read the rest of it. And how terrible it will be for me if I do not tell the good news. You know, that is really frightening. We don't just talk about it. We miss this. How terrible it will be. And where it will be terrible? Ultimately, where it is going to be terrible? In the? On the judgment day? And eventually? In? I, I know you won't say that. In hell it is going to be terrible. And Paul is saying here, God is saying, and how terrible it will be on the day. Right now everything is good. Look at the future tense there. Right now everything is perfect. We have a bungalow to leave. We have a car to drive. We have a good family. It's all good. Paul is saying it. And how terrible it will be on the day of judgment when we stand before the Lord. How terrible it will be for me if I do not tell the good news to others. You know, this morning I pray that God may bring a holy reverence within all of us. That we are compelled to do the work of God. God wants to get out of our comfort zones. You know, some of us are very comfortable in sitting in our own. Some of us are very comfortable to come to HAPM and go home. Right? Some of us are comfortable to go do a certain things this certain way, including me. I'm okay. 
If I get a Sunday afternoon nap, just nothing like that. Right? If I don't do it, I'll become terrible. Right, and see? So, so you, know, you, you know what I'm talking about. We are all good, very comfortable in our own small circle. In our own small circle. God is telling us, it is time to come out of your comfort zone. Because the judgment is going to come upon the church. Bible says the judgment is going to start in the, in the church first. Before it is going to happen to the world. You know, because God wants to judge. Because we know so much. We know how much God has loved us. We know how much we experience the joy and the blessings. The spiritual blessings and the material blessings. But in spite of all this, if we don't tell the judgment, I believe it is going to come upon us. And Bible also says God will make us accountable if we don't tell others about Christ. Let's read Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 18. I want you to read the scripture along with me because that will impact your life with the scriptures. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die and you give him no warning, nor speak to one the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand it talks about your friends dear it talks about the students they are studying with you if you don't tell them i thank god for some of you come and tell me i shared the gospel with somebody last week thank god for you thank god for the zeal that you have god is telling us if you don't tell the wicked that there is a judgment that is going to come if you don't tell the wicked, there is a God who loves you. And if you fail to tell that, and the wicked is going to die in his iniquity, in his sinfulness, but his blood I will require at your hand. It's a great punishment. You and I cannot stand. And this morning, I believe God is speaking to us. We need to stand before him one day. And think about the situation. If you want to stand before him with empty handed, he will ask, what have you done for me? You know, I'm just standing here with a heavy heart this morning. It's not a joke. Because God is compelling me to do certain things. He will ask us, what have you done for me? I brought you to this nation. I asked, I gave you everything that you asked for. Every blessing. What have you done for me? What have you done for me? You know, this is a question that I cannot stand. We cannot say excuses. We cannot point fingers and we can't do anything. Charles C. Luther, in 1877, heard Reverend A.G. Ufam tell the story of a young man who was about to die. And he had been a Christian just only for one month. And was sad because he had done so little to serve the Lord. Because a terminal illness caught him. He had just only one month since he came to know the Lord. And he said, I'm not afraid to die. Jesus saves me now. But must I go empty-handed? Must I go empty-handed? And this incident prompted the writing of the song. The Stebbins, he wrote the song, wrote the song, and Luther gave the music to the song. And this is how the words go. Can you read that with me? Must I go and empty handed? Thus my dear Redeemer meet. Not one day of service give him. Lay no trophy at his feet. Must I go and empty handed? Must I meet my Savior so? 
not one soul with which to give him must I empty-handed go. Today when we sing this song, sing this uh, hymn, we feel terrible because we have not done anything for God. How many souls we brought? It's not a old fashion to pray for souls. It's not a old fashion to you know, bring souls to the cross. It's not old fashion. God operates the same way even today. The last riverbed, so last water body I want to talk about is river that flows quickly. The flowing river. Flowing river. This river must flow out of us, touching lives around us. Jesus, again, let's go back to the same scripture. John chapter 7, verses 37, 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, there is a reason why Jesus spoke these words on the day of the feast. Because there are multitudes around Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus gave an open invitation. I believe this morning Jesus is still giving that open invitation for you and me. And Bible also says, you know, there is a greater blessing that God has given inside of us, kept inside of us. And that is not just a blessing that blesses us. It is going to bless outside, people outside. We read that from Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 9. Ezekiel 47 9. And Ezekiel saw a vision there. He was taken to the, near the door of the, uh, of the temple of God. And he saw water gushing out under the threshold of the temple of God. And you know, he describes how that water was. And in verse 9 he says, and it shall be that. Can you read, read that with me? It shall be that every living thing that moves. Wherever the river go, rivers go, will leave. There will be very great multitude of fish because these waters go there for they will be healed and everything will leave wherever the river goes. You know, the river that Ezekiel is talking about is the Holy, is the Holy Spirit. The river of the living water. And wherever this water goes, Bible says, everything will leave. There will be healing, there will be restoration, there will be blessing. You know, this morning I believe God is talking to us. You know, we are just going to close and get into a time of prayer this morning. The world outside is dying, they are looking for life. The world outside is sick, totally sick, terribly sick. They need healing, physically they need healing, spiritually they need healing. But this morning, God is telling you, my son, my daughter, I already poured so much into your life. Not you're just a born Christian, but then, you know, since you accepted me, I did so many things to you. I gave you so many blessings. This morning, what are we going to say? What are going to, we going to say? Are we going to say that, Lord, how can I face you with empty hands, Lord? Not even just a one soul I brought to the kingdom of heaven. Lord, help me. Just want to close this with this illustration or this story. Two evangelists from North Ireland, Northern Ireland, were holding a meeting in Inverary, Scotland, in November of 1859. November 1859. And they were, a pre they were preaching on uh, this particular thing. And they were preaching, in fact, on the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 17. And the verse says, And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Revelation 22, 
17. And they were preaching this word of God. And in their audience, listen to me, an 18-year-old man, young man, by name James Chalmers. And he was really forced, compelled by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, by the prompting or the conviction of the Holy Spirit to accept this living water. He knew a little bit about Jesus, but now he come to know who Jesus is and the Spirit of God. And eventually he was saved. And he received the touch of the Holy Spirit in that meeting. Born in a small fishing village in Scotland, James was born in, in the year 1841. And he was an young man. He really loved to do adventures. And he was willing to take great risk. And we know what God saw him. God saw his desire of James. And he, James, God prepared him to start a missionary work that is waiting for him. And after his salvation, he wanted to tell about this living water and to quench the thirst of the people that they were living around him without knowing Christ, without listening, knowing about Christ. So James and his wife Jane, they set the sail. They decided to go for the South Sea Island of Rarotonga in, of the, in one of the small Cook Islands of the South Pacific. In the South Pacific, just about Australia and New Zealand, you see a small, very small island in the year January, on, on January 4th, 1866. Chalmers, they worked there for 10 years, but his heart was for a group of people. They never heard about Jesus Christ. So in September 1877, James decided to make that as his permanent mission field. And he started serving in Papua New Guinea on that's basically on top of Australia, another island there. Basically, initially when he started, his work was very slow and he couldn't receive many fruits. And many natives there in, in that particular region, they were cannibals. They were man-eaters. In Papua Guinea, that island, people were, you know, living people, uh, eating people alive. And they never heard about gospel, never heard about Lord Jesus Christ. And he wanted to preach among them, this James, who gave his life totally sold out for God. And he knew that it is a very dangerous situation there. On one particular occasion when he was traveling along with a native teacher, James was followed by a two bands of cannibals. And James asked, why are they following us? And the, 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 the local teacher said, they are going to kill us. And the preacher said, can we kneel down and pray right now? And he said, James said, no, 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 we don't have time to kneel down and pray. Let's come on, let's walk and pray. As they, was, well, they were walking, the cannibals came near to him. And one of the cannibals took a very club, a very, very thick wood, and just about to keep his on his head. But you know what? God saved him from that situation. But history says, Chalmers, they served the Lord God faithfully until he was killed and eaten by those cannibals on April 8th, 1901. But he was working there to quench the thirst of the people who are living outside. And this man of God heard the love about Jesus Christ, touched by the presence of the Holy Spirit, decided to get out of his comfort zone, wanted to travel miles away, go to a group of people that was totally unsafe, unsafe for him. What propelled him, what compelled him to go there was the love of Christ. Jesus said, the living water will flow through you and it will touch lives. 
if you don't do it, I would say if you come Sunday and morning and sit here and go, we are hypocrites. God doesn't want such group. God is looking for somebody who will go out and do the work of God. Shall we all stand for a moment this morning? I just want to go, don't want to leave you without praying with you this morning. I'm really compelled by the presence of God and by the Spirit of God as we celebrate this Pentecost Sunday. God is asking us this morning, what have you done for me? You know, this church cannot continue to remain the way we are today. I was turning back and seeing what we have done. It was good that we have done certain things in certain ways, but that this church cannot remain in the same way forever. And God wants to bring certain changes at induces and because we are all praying on Tuesday night, we pray, Lord, let your will be done in this church. And I believe God is stirring up the minds. It's not just an emotional stirring, but it is a stirring of the Holy Spirit. It is a stirring of the Holy Spirit, not just an emotional stirring because I said the story. No, no, no. You would have heard many other stories. But this morning I asked the Spirit of God to stir up our hearts so that we don't want to be the same. We need to go out. And how? We don't know. But we must go out. Some of you have been asking me, Pastor, when can we go out and give tracts and pray for somebody? And this morning, as the Spirit of God is prompting me, I just want to give an invitation this morning. If you want to be used by God, if you want to be used by God in any way, not inside, certainly not inside. I'm not talking about preaching and worship leading and not talking about those things, but I'm talking about going out and sharing the gospel to someone. If you want to be used by God in some way, this morning I've given an invitation. Can you come and stand in front?